Welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the greatest club in the Bundesliga, the greatest club in Germany, the greatest club in the world. Uh, as our fearless leader, Brian, would say, we are a little biased. I don't think we are. I think it's just objective truth. But uh, I am Chris hanging out here in the middle of Michigan. Uh, it's been a while since we talked. A lot's gone on. A lot is still happening in the world of Eintracht Frankfurt and football as a whole. Um, and we have got a lot planned here as we roll towards episode 300. Uh, the whole crew will be in at, at points in and out throughout the spring. So a lot to look forward to on the podcast front. We really appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, and certainly we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us. Uh, all of our links are available at halfpod.com, hefpod.com. You can listen to live episodes there. Um, look at our map to find out where the watch parties are happening. Get in touch with this show. Submit your feedback there. And, of course, links to all of our social media channels. Um, you can link up with me on uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Instagram, Discord, Peloton, all the good ones, uh, at C in the D 313 and of course, uh, without further ado, my co-host for this episode, episode 298 or seven, I lost track. There's so many. Uh, I am bringing in right down I-96, make a little left turn on a 696. It is Garrett down in the Detroit area. Garrett, what's up, buddy? Haven't seen you in a while. I am doing good, Chris. Happy New Year. Um, it's almost, I think, been a month since we last talked. Um, a lot's happened in the States, uh, a lot's about to happen in the state, in the sporting world, uh, this coming weekend, you know, that's another discussion for another time. Um, but, um, the Adler's coming back this weekend. I can't, uh, it's really good to know. Um, and you know, just as a brief hit for those in the Detroit area, Detroit city clubhouse this Saturday, 9:30 AM Eastern for Leipzig, Frankfurt. It's going to be a good one. Um, a good old friend of our uh, SKA Detroit group coming back to town. Looking forward to seeing him. Uh, certainly bringing a lot of energy uh, to every match day at the clubhouse. Um, you know, the last time we were there was a was a interesting experience. Uh, we'll get to the first review uh, of this episode. We'll review the first half of the season. Um, this is an Eintracht Frankfurt podcast, but it is also a Bundesliga podcast. And the Bundesliga lost one of its great heroes this week. Uh, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the passing of Franz Beckenbauer, um, an icon in the German game, arguably one of the greatest players of all time, really a, a defining player in the defensive position, the way he played it. The only, I actually didn't know this until I was Googling him. I, I should have known this. I'm embarrassed I didn't. The only uh, two-time winner of the Ballon d'Or from a defensive position. Um, that says everything you need to know. The, the types of players that have won that award. Uh, he had a long career with Bayern Munich uh, spanning more than a decade. And, of course, here in North America, the early iteration of the New York Cosmos uh you know, back in the day, back in the 70s, uh, they were bringing names from all around the world and not not names that were out of their prime either. Real 
quality names of the footballing world were coming to play with the New York Cosmos. And Beckenbauer was one of them um, at a time where the game was growing here. And, and you can be sure people knew who that was, especially uh, in a place like New York and, and the import of sporting talent to that city and the attention that he drew there certainly helped to grow the game in this country. Uh, but of course, known for what he did in Germany, um, World Cups as not just a not just a player, but a manager as well. Uh, just a real defining character of the game of the Bundesliga, and uh, just a damn good, like charismatic person to follow. Uh, Garrett, any thoughts on this one? You know, I think um, you were right on so many levels about Franz Beckenbauer. I think um, maybe still after when it's prominent when you look at 50 60 years after he played and you look at one of the most pro and still maybe the most prominent player to have come out of germany um you know and there's you know a handful of people but the impact of what he did and how he played as a midfielder as a defender as a sweeper um you know a lot of why bayern munich is are are what they are in, in today is because of Franz Beckenbauer. Um, and, you know, you talk about what he did as a player. One of three people in the history of this game to win a World Cup as a player and as a manager. Um, and, you know, also his work, you know, outside of management for Bayern Munich, um, being part of the crew to bring uh, the World Cup to Germany in you know, 20, uh, 2006. 2006. Yep. And, you know, just being a game around. And even um, I was just looking right now on Eintracht Frankfurt's website, they did talk about a section because there was a really, apparently a really good friendship that um, Beckham, Franz Beckenbauer had with an Eintracht Frankfurt legend in uh, uh, Charlie Karl-Heinz Korbel. So um, somebody that left his mark. Um, you know, he's a player that is gone, but he will definitely not be forgotten. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I talked about his charisma. He was one of those guys. I mean, he was around before the social media played into player profiles and, you know, their larger than life status. Um, but he carried that through his retirement. Uh, he was involved with with a lot of in the last 20, 25 years, a lot of advertising for uh, FIFA games. And, and he was included in computers. Uh, soccer game simulations and he's one of those guys when you talk about you know the goats he is literally one of those so um certainly a difficult thing uh just looking at at an article about him here uh when Jurgen Klopp was hired by Liverpool uh and Beckenbauer had great things to say about that hire uh Klopp said he felt he had been given knighthood by a king uh that's some high praise right there uh Certainly, Franz Beckenbauer, an icon of the game, and uh, part of the reason that the Bundesliga is what it is today, part of the reason that we love the German game more than anything else here uh, at HalfPod. So certainly our thoughts with him, the Bayern Munich uh, community, and of course, uh, Bundesliga fans who, who remember his time there. Um, so we'll continue on. Not easy following those in memoriams. They're, they're difficult, but, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate the game because that's what we do best here. So, Garrett, uh, where did we leave off 
it was December. Uh, I had not yet filled up on all the Christmas goodies yet. And we were having a watch party down in Detroit, weren't we? So the last time you and I gathered together um, in person, we were 70, not even 72-ish hours, but we were fresh off of the DFB Pokal in Saarbrücken. And then we had watched our club do a 5-1 demolishing of Bayern Munich, which was one of my favorite um, just reveling solo bits of peace I'll ever do in media. Um, and then we, we got to get um, and then we got together to talk about the frustrating two matches in 72 hours um, that were uh, Aberdeen away to close out the Europa Conference League and then you know a trip to Bayer Leverkusen um, 02 and 03. So we were going into what were the uh, last two games, uh, one for the men, one for the women, before we get into the holiday. So you know what is interesting? Um, as we came off all the watch party excitement of the 5-1 victory over Bayern and reminiscing about, you know, the good times repeating themselves is that Moody Diva, that bitch that she is, uh, reminded us just how prevalent she is in our community in this Eintracht Frankfurt universe. Um, but that's okay. We're back. It's January. There's time to put the negativity, the way things ended behind us, um, and then recover. Uh, certainly, you know, the 2-1 victory uh, in late December there, December 20th, the 2-1 victory, which I don't know. I, I I don't know how I felt going into that one. I'm not going to rehash the whole, the whole uh, match, but it was important for me to go out on a high note at the end of the, the year before the winter pause. Uh, to have a bad vibe, a bad taste on your tongue for basically a full month was not going to set us up for success, I felt. And I looked at the upcoming transfer window, now the one we're right in the middle of. We'll talk about that later. I thought that getting that victory was important, not just what it did in the table, what it did for the mentality of the players, but the way it set the tone for the transfer window. So we leave the winter pause on a break. Uh, I'm sorry, on a victory. And we're feeling good, right? Uh, what What are your thoughts on the up and down roller coaster of the first half? Was there a particular moment where you said, "This is it. We're we're a team to beat," or was the up and down roller coaster just too much to really get a good handle on? I think even the last game and how that last game ended is an example of this roller coaster that's been this season. Um, you know, to give you an idea, yeah, we won 2-0, but we were 1-0 down going into the 90th minute of that match. Um, and I was writing it off like, well, we're about to lose. This game sucks. Um, and then substitute Niels and Cuckoo just pumping balls in on the left-hand side. Um, Buta got the header to make it 1-1. And then um, shortly afterward, Robin Cock, right place at the right time. And, and there's a lot more to talk about him later in the episode. Exactly. But, um, for right now, I think if I'm to pick the most important person in the first half of our season, not diminishing any of the contributions from uh, Marmouche or Kevin Trapp early in the year, you know, despite the issues later in the fall into the winter. Um, 
I think Robin Cock has been a very important addition to this team and the stability that he brings to the center of the pitch. Not always the best player, but reliable, stable, not out of position enough that it gives me concern. Um, he is probably, I mean, that goal helped certainly because that's the last memory I have of the first half of the season. But I think for me, he's maybe not the most valuable player, but he's that X factor that keeps us involved with every match. Um, do you have a particular player that stands out for you in that first half? Maybe a newcomer or, or maybe an old reliable that stands out more than others? I think I'm going to go. I think all of these are new guys. I feel like there's five in particular that to me um, make up the squad what it was. And I think a lot of the issues that we had near the end of this first half of the season had had to do with. So Robin Koch, Ellis Scary to me are your two most. This is, I think, why we are where we are is because of those guys. Cock getting hurt and then Scary getting hurt, I think, ruined our rhythm. Uh, but I'm glad that Cock's back and healthy. Uh, we'll talk about, obviously, you know, what he was just recently rewarded with. Um, Ellis Scary, you know, hope he stays healthy through AFCON and, we, you know, we'll need him and then some when he returns. But then um, the other three to me are going to be new guys as well. Hugo Larson, Ferris Chayabi, Omar Marmush. Um, I wasn't expecting Hugo Larson, you know, as I think he's still 19 to, to make an impact as he has from the midfield and maybe playing next to scary is helping him for that, but it's still promising that we're seeing this now. Um, Omar Marmosh bagging goals for us, you know, is getting in the rhythm, um, providing a game in a different dimension than we have been maybe used to before, you know, being used to big, number nine type players or taller and bigger number nines. Like, you know, we've had Alex Meyer, we've had, um, even Hilaire, Dost Silva was even a bigger guy, Paciencia. So it's a little bit of a different style, but I think what helps them getting those goals and the player that I was, I'm really surprised of to wasn't expecting this much out of them already was fair is Ferris Chayibi. Um, who, is just a creative player and maybe in the attack our best buy as far as the attacking thing goes. So as fr- this season's been frustrating, I feel like in a way, a lot of us, we can talk about it, but I think it's wild that we've had this much turnover in this squad that we've talked about in previous episodes, those that we wound up selling that way. We didn't think we were going to sell. Let's drum among others, so maybe even two. And we sit right now in a three-way at sixth place in the Bundesliga table, three points from fifth. And knowing that a couple of results either way, maybe we're higher up. But this is a good sign for a squad, for one, a new manager in the squad, in Dino, to a squad that is new together for the first time can we turn the turn the momentum up and be more consistent in the second half that's on them and them to show us yeah and before we get into the full table uh, for the whole league just looking at where Eintracht sits six right now on 24 points um, uh, one thing that I think stands out for me is lost opportunities 
sitting on six draws, um, you know, you turn one or two of those draws into victories and you're talking about a, a Champions League position or, you know, certainly Europa League position, probably not Champions League quite yet, but you're, you're sniffing it and we're not at the moment. Um, there's time to move up. I think my realistic expectation going into the season was a fifth place finish. Um, and that's certainly still in hand, just three points behind Dortmund right now. Uh, but I think the focus for the second half is turning opportunities into points, uh, you know, uh, allowing a Borussia Dortmund to come back uh, when we had a lead in that one, dropping points in a couple other matches that, that are just not the character. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're out of character for us because that's entirely our character, but it's not what you want to see. And that's Mine's my goal in the second half. We're going to Raymond, lose games. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say to make your point about it. Mainz, Köln, um, Bauchum, Bremen, uh, the Dortmund game, losing to Augsburg. Um, those are just some of them, for example. That's, you know, draws for most of them, losses and others. That's, you get three or four of those draws in the wins, that's six to eight points. And yeah, you're in the running, especially when, five, depending on how the rest of the German teams do in European competition, fifth place may get you Champions League at season's end. It could. I'm not going to get too excited about that yet. But when you look at you know where points were dropped, there's certainly room for improvement. Uh, we can't drop 2-1 to Augsburg. You know, that that's where we have to take points. It, it's phenomenal that we took points against Bayern. That's one where I would have been accepted, expecting us to give up points, and it wouldn't have hurt me too bad. Uh, Leverkusen, another one. You know, the 3-0 loss there, it stings. Um, but you expect to lose that one. Where I What I don't want to do is lose points down the table. That's where it hurts you. That's where you lose the ground. So we made some ground up. We bought ourselves a little opportunity in a, a victory over Bayern, which I'll be honest, I didn't expect it. I don't think many of us did. Um, but let's take care of business where we can, steal points where we can, just be a little more consistent. I know that's not part of our DNA. Just asking for a little bit more in that regard. I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, we got to mention the, the one competition that we're out of at the moment, the DFB Pokal. Uh, that's probably my biggest disappointment in the first half of the season. The 2-0 loss to Saarbrücken, where we just, I mean, we were outplayed. We were outmuscled. We were outplayed. Um, I mean, it, I, we're not rehashing the whole damn game, but that's no, we when... got. We got, it hurts to be that, ang- like, it hurt. That episode was probably the one that hurt the most to record. Because we were, and that was six, seven hours after we did it then. But this is the one that's going to get away when you look at all this chaos and the level of Spy Bundesliga teams that are left in this. This one's going to hurt because this was as good of a year as any to build on the trophy case. And I think it's it's pretty evident that Sarbrocken looks like a team of destiny with knocking off Bayern and then knocking off us and just steamrolling their way through this tournament. I'm not so disappointed with the loss there, but, you know, certainly disappointed because, like you said, this was the wide-open year for it. Uh, the red car by Futke is just 
unacceptable, and I'm still glad he hasn't seen the light of day on a roster for us. Um, you know, looking at that competition, uh, since we're not going to preview it later, uh, in the quarterfinals, St. Pauli, Dusseldorf, um, uh, where are we at? Hertha Berlin and Kaiserslautern, Leverkusen against Stuttgart, and Saarbrücken against Borussia Mönchengladbach. So plenty of uh, lower division teams left there. Um Certainly, Leverkusen is the betting favorite. Um, I, you know, I picked them for my league winner, and I think they're a cup winner too. But certainly, don't sleep on Saarbrücken. St. Pauli's look good. Um, Stuttgart is punching way above their weight class right now. So anything can happen, and does happen in the cup. Uh, of that final eight in the Pokal, is there any anyone that sticks out to you? I think Leverkusen and Stuttgart, to me, are your top two, unless they get drawn against each other. Um, oh, they are in the next round here. They are in there. So, basically, the winner of that is obviously, to me, your front runner, barring any major setbacks. Um, I mean, Bremen, Bremen's inconsistent, but Bremen has, can get goal scorers out. Um, I forget their young guy that keeps coming off the bench, but then Dukshin Bore, obviously. Um but then, you know, like so you said, St. Pauli's tops of Spy Bundesliga right now. Fortuna Dusseldorf's in the hunt, I believe, in the playoffs. So it's, you know, it could be a wild thing. And until Saarbrücken are out, they have that destiny tag. So, may the best team win. And the last part is we review the first portion of the season, um, the end of 2023. Let's talk about the UEFA Conference League. Um, we've pushed through. It's, it was a little more difficult than we wanted it to be, um, but we pushed through to the next round of the competition, um, trying to do this in real time. And my own website St. Gilles. There we go. There we go. Um, I know absolutely nothing about them, but – I was satisfied that we made it through. This is a tournament that I don't give two shits about. I think it should be left for the smaller countries um, to crown a champion. But while we're here, we have to be responsible for the games. And, you know, Pauk made it difficult. They pushed through. They were outstanding um, against us. But really, you know, survive in advance. That's what it's about here. We have to to take care of these playoff rounds to get through to the actual next round. Um, Is it a disappointment that we didn't finish number one? Yes, because I, the group means you have a month off of, you know, midweek matches and Union St. Gilles, many uh, those are, are maybe listening that are fans of other Bundesliga clubs will know that Union St. Gilles knocked out Union Berlin last year in European competition. Um, currently in the Belgian first first league, uh, tops of the table, 20 matches played, 15 wins, three draws, two losses, 44 goals scored, 20 goals allowed, a six-point lead over Andelect, and then uh, uh, 10 points ahead of Ghent. So... It's going to be a very, it's a difficult match that we have to be on our absolute, we have to play more like we did against Bayern Munich than what we did in the two matches against Pauk. 
um, if we really want to make sure that we are moving on to um, the, uh, you know, the next round. Yeah. Um, I agree with you that I wanted the, the number one spot for the obvious time off. Uh, but as we're going to talk about in transfer talk, I think there's a little silver lining to this and that we're going to have another opportunity to work in some new players that are only going to be a few weeks into their stint with us. And, you know, if we're going to take anything from that, uh, it's got to be that. Uh, looking at that matchup in the next round, though, I need to find a way to get to Belgium because their stadium, uh, Lotto Park, is 50 miles from my favorite brewery on this planet in West Lettering. So I'm going to try to get to Belgium. Uh, if Brian or someone wants to foot the bill for that, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> not holding my breath on that one, though. So uh, dreams. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the men's side here in a little bit after the break. Um, a note on the Frauen side, uh, we're going to review their first half of the season closer to their return, uh, which is not for a couple more weeks here. But a word of note on the Frauen side, uh, they signed Japanese international Romina Chiba today. Uh, she is younger. I think she's 24, but she's got a good steady pace. I was watching a little bit of YouTube stuff earlier. Uh, she's going to fit in real well here, a real attack-minded forward. And certainly for the amount of attacking presence that that team has, we've struggled a bit to put the ball away. Um, but her attack-minded nature is something um, – three goals and seven appearances with the senior Japanese team. So, you know, it's still early in her career there, but a uh, good addition for the Frauen side. We'll read more into that and report back with more closer to their restart here in a couple weeks. Um, but for now, we're going to get back to the men's side. After we talk about uh, our beverages of choice over the holidays, Garrett, we did a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, a lot of good stuff. Uh, as we talk about, you know, what we consumed, hot chocolates and beverages and otherwise, was there any food during the holiday that stood out for you? Um, I am very fortunate to um, have a few different places to go to during the holidays. And one of the things, so turkey on Christmas Day, um, I had... Um, some venison at my um, friends aunt and uncles on Christmas Eve, um, both uh, back straps as well as venison heart, which is actually pretty tasty. When, that is really uh, good stuff. Um, and, you know, for here locally on that day, the Lions won their first division title in 30 years. So you got to celebrate. And I actually had – Brian and Casey will love this. I had Werner's Black Cherry for the first time that night on Christmas Eve. Um, it hit the spot now like this uh, large Coke that I have here from Wendy's for my pickup earlier today. So, yeah, man, it's just, it's the season. It's The holidays may be over, but we feast all the time. I cannot believe it took you that long to get into the Werner's Black Cherry. It, it is just so good. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're speaking to, a, a a audience of a few because it's not distributed widely, but it's good stuff. Um, 
The holidays were interesting for me because I tried to go somewhere new with food and we, we went with Instagram stuff, you know, when you're scrolling through and you're like, Oh, that looks amazing. I'll never make that, but you like it anyway. We decided to make a few of those things that we found. And for the most part, they turned out so good. We made them again. I think my favorite, we did a Mexican street corn dip. So if you've ever had like Mexican street corn, it was that, but in like dip form for tortilla chips and such, that was an outstanding food. And I think I'm going back to that one for the Lions playoff game this weekend. Um, Drinking, uh, you know, actually I I went a little light on the alcohol this holidays, um, saving up for a Lions playoff run probably. Uh, But tonight I am drinking from Tapestry, which is in the southwest corner of the state of Michigan here, I am drinking a Kolsch-style ale called Nunen. Um, really good, and it's got a beautiful golf course on the front. That it doesn't say what golf course that is, but yeah, um, good stuff out of the southwest corner, uh, west coast, second best coast here in the state of Michigan. Um, and yeah, so we hope everyone had a happy holidays, uh, all the food and all the drinks and all the good people you like to spend your time with. And, uh, before we get back for segment two, we will cheers to you. Prost. Welcome back. Segment two, Hey on Track Frankfurt. We talked in our first half, myself here, Chris in mid-Michigan and Garrett down in Detroit. We talked about the recap of the first half of the season for the on Track Frankfurt men's side. Now we're going to kind of look ahead to the second half. And, you know, it happens every year uh, around mid to late December. We hit that winter pause and then all hell breaks loose on what we like to call the silly season. Uh, Every rumor that you could imagine under the sun, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's headed to Eintracht Frankfurt and Garrett Komatz is headed to Detroit City FC. Oh, he's already there. But, (laughs) I mean, you name it, we've heard it. Uh, Garrett, sort things out for me a little bit. Who's coming in, who's going out, and how do we feel about it? Well, you know what? Let's let's start with this. Um, my two things that I wanted to see was more stability in the defense and more punch in the offense. Those were my two criteria going into this break. And now you're going to tell me where we stand uh, with 20 days left in this transfer window. Starting things off defense, um, rewarding the performances of Robin Koch. Um, and um, tra- making his contract in- from Leeds United instead of a loan, a permanent deal. Um, so congr- um, well done to Robin, and now to be a permanent signing for Eintracht Frankfurt, um, trying to get an idea on the deal. I think it's through the end of 2027, I believe. Um, yes. So that is the first, that is the permanent signing. Um we are giving minutes to people out, uh, sending people who weren't getting minutes with us out. 
Marcel Venig to Nuremberg for the end of the season. Um, we also did a brief note corresponding business with Nuremberg. That meant young winner of theirs, Nathaniel Brown, um, that will be um, purchased by Eintracht Frank- the contract purchased by Eintracht Frankfurt, loaned back to Nuremberg for the remainder of this season, and he will be joining the Adler the summer of 2024. Um, but two loan moves, um, you know, for the immediate. Um, you know, was we've talked about at nauseum at times. Three players gone right now for Afcon: Omar Marmush, Ferris Chaibi, Elvis Giri. Um, this big, like almost the you know, yeah, I can say it, the backbone of this club to an extent, especially in terms of us creating chances. So, how do we create chances with them gone? Um, we take some chances uh, in the market. So. Um, Many of us that, that are listening, if any support the English game, you'll know that um, there's been a running butt of jokes at times um, of a player that went to, from Ajax in the summer of 2020 to Manchester United in terms of not really getting minutes one way or another. Um, but someone who showed a lot of talent in the attack as someone who can be like a number eight to like number eight transition to number 10 player and Donnie Van de Beek. Uh, Donnie Van de Beek uh, announced was the first announcement of this uh, the Adler of joining in the winter window um, in the form of a loan um, with an option to buy. Um, and the thing that I was really happy to see upon reading an article from the Guardian because um, my concern of bringing Donnie Van de Beek in was um, being at Manchester United, he was on high wages. Um, United um, Frankfurt is not having to pay all of the weekly wages, just part of like a good amount of it, but not the whole amount. So um, it is someone that is looking for an opportunity to play. Um, I believe one of our crew in our discord called it a reclamation project. Um, I think that's definitely a chance. So I just want to see how hungry he is still a young player, uh, 26 currently going on 27 years old. Um, you know, he's shown his talent for IX in the years, especially when they made it to almost made it to the champions league final in the 2019 season. Um, so Donnie Vilkoman on Frankfurt. Um, and then set, then we had a second person in attack join from a premier league side. And it is someone that, um, Frankfurt fans will know pretty well. Um, currently, uh, joining us from Wolverhampton Wanderers, but previously with VFB Stuttgart, a tall, in by, even by my standards as somebody who's six foot two, um, a six foot, uh, six foot seven Austrian Serbian striker, um, from who was last in the Bundesliga with VFA Stuttgart, VFA Stuttgart, uh, Sasa Kalajic. Um, if I butchered the name at all, my apologies there. Um, the new number nine for Eintracht Frankfurt, um, joining on loan for the rest of the season, also with an option to buy. So what I want to know is, and Kalajdzic um, has shown to be able to get goals in the back of the net. My concern is he's also had some injuries. So I am hoping that we can avoid the latter on this, especially with these final four months of the season. Um, I hope there's more to do. I know the mark. I follow an English club also. Silly season is an understatement. It's... Um, it is it is a grind. It is it is almost as bad as watching our Detroit Pistons this year. 
Shut up. Not quite. Don't go there. It can be, depending on who <laughs> you support. Uh, but it's um, it's a good start right now. But so, I, yeah, we, need one let, or two, we need a couple more moves. So I want to get back to that. It's a good start. Uh, my quick thoughts on this. Uh, Vandebeek comes with, you know, a whole lot of hype uh, to United and then comes to us as kind of a, a the reclamation project. Um, but certainly he comes from a winning pedigree. Make all the, the Man United jokes you want. Um, there's an English Cup title in there. There's titles with Ajax. So whether or not he was actively involved is irrelevant. He understands winning culture, and that's something that we need to embrace, uh, given our recent history of winning, but not a lot of winning on our on our active roster. So I want to see a little bit of that confidence from him. And you know what? It's safe. If it if the reclamation project is a resounding success, we buy him outright or whatever terms are come to, that's great. If we're even considering it, uh, that means that things worked out really well. Uh, so I like that. As far as uh, Sasha goes, I like what I see on paper with him. Uh, he's good for about one goal every two and a half to three matches. Um, I'm going to bring up a comparison that is not going to sit well with listeners, but I'm just doing it for the sake of his style of play is Bastost. Uh, a big guy up front but doesn't have a lot of weight on him. I mean, he's like 6'7", but he's a skinny dude. Um, I think that leads us to think, oh, he's just going to use his head, but he's going to get bullied around a little bit. So, you know, when he was with Stuttgart, he was kind of a hold-up kind of player, not exactly a target man. It'll be interesting to see how we use him. Um, He's going to have some time alone because you mentioned the guys going to the – uh, back to Africa for the championship there is going to be kind of one thing. He's going to come into an environment, learn the group, and then have to relearn it in six weeks when they all come back. So a lot to figure out there, um, but these are good, safe moves. They make financial sense. Uh, you know, I I am the first one to get all upset about how much money we make and then turn around and not spend it. And then our wonderful producer, Nathan, reminds me that I'm lousy with my own checkbook. So <laughs> I'm not going to tell Marcus Kroos how to spend on track Frankfurt's money, um, but I'm glad to see them take some reasonably smart risks here and certainly positions where we've needed assistance. Um, Garrett, as you talked about, there's still opportunity for other moves. Is there a position where you see a glaring need? Um, one for me might be a goalkeeper. I know Kevin Trapps had a month off to get healthy, but if he's not, if his form isn't right, if his back is still hurt, um, I'm not entirely confident with the keeper situation. I don't think it's worth investing a lot of money in. Um, I'm a big fan of of the young kid, uh, Simon Simone out of Albania, who you've got in the system. But I don't know. Where would you like to see us spend? Not a whole lot of goalkeeping. If we're not going to bring up um, who you mentioned, um, then somebody that can um, be somebody we can have in mind because our two goalkeepers that we currently have on the first team 
um, have are closer to the end of their careers than, you know, times that like a lot of years left um, in both trap and growl. Um, I think we're really solid in the back um, between Koch, Pacho, Tuta, um, Hasebe when he can get in there. Um, maybe a little more, one or two more pieces in the center of the midfield. I really need to see how this Skiri's absence, how are we going to do, how are we going to deal with this? I think this is, I mean, I think Kalaitasic, between Kalaitasic, Kanat, and Bembe, um, and Cuckoo, I feel good to an extent in the attacking part. Maybe even Mario Goza, if you find, if he gets a renaissance in this form. Um, but I'm concerned. I don't want to put all the pressure on Hugo Larson right now to, um, you know, have to carry all that weight with Skiri out. So, um, you know, we've been hearing rumblings of Aronson maybe going out to get a loan. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case or, you know, if we're going to give him minutes. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, that is decisions needing to be made by Marcus Kralsha and his crew and, and Dino. Um, but I think goalkeeper, center of midfield, um, and that's a start because I'm also I'm realizing too we also got you know how much are we going to see Yessi and Gankum too, um, you know this um, month stretch that we have so, um, but yeah that's where I'm kind of feeling like we need the holes we need to address right now. Yeah, and I think you know I've been a I've been big on Paxton Aronson in the spot minutes he's had. Um, it's difficult to evaluate whether he should go out on loan. I think he should based on his age and limited opportunity here. I trust that the training team knows that a loan would be better than keeping him in the house. Um, but my thing is that a lot of the minutes he's pay, played compared to Larson, who's had the majority starts between the two, um, a lot of mop-up duty for Aronson, whether it's playing from behind and, whether the spark we see out of him is genuinely him being a good option or just, Hey, anything looks better than what we've had out there for the last 80 minutes uh, versus Larson. Who's had a lot more opportunities to start uh, from the minute zero. I, I like keeping young promising players in the house, but I'm not the expert on those things either. I just want to make sure if we're sending out our young guys on loan, that the guys we intend to bring in to fill those spots in the 18 are not the exact same thing. Because if we're going to go after an 18 or 19 year old type kid, who's just going to need a lot of nurturing and, you know, learn to grow and acclimate to the environment in Frankfurt. Well, maybe we should just hold on to Aronson. You know, what's the difference? Why, why are we going to try to groom someone else when we've already got the guy under contract? So for me, I'm kind of wait and see. I know that that's counterintuitive because I'm the guy that's always saying spend, spend, spend. But at the same time, uh, Krosha and Dino have shown us that they have a good beat on what's going on. So I'm going to shut up and trust them for a little bit um, and see what happens. So I think if anything, if anything real quick before we transition to this weekend, I think looking back on it, it helps that after this weekend, that I'm not without trying to completely discredit our upcoming opponents that 
we kind of have that restart after the Leipzig to the second half of the season. And that is, you know, Darmstadt, Mainz, Kulm, and I feel Bauckham. And I feel like that is a good, if it's not, it's not like we're missing these guys against Bayern, Dortmund, like Bukosen, Stuttgart, you know, you know, even uh, Freiburg. It's not like we're missing it for that. Um, so I feel like we're a little bit lucky right now. But that I want to make sure I feel that way and that we don't suffer any ma- like player setbacks during these yeah. games. Yeah. Um, you know, we've played – how many matches have we played so far? Uh, 16. The, this will be the 17th matches. this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, so we played 16 matches. And uh, according to the statistic zone at halfpot.com, we have seen – uh, Hugo Larson play in 14 of those and 13 as a starter. So, you know, those are quality minutes. Uh, he's rating out at, at a 6.9 right now, which puts him in the top 12 of our lineup. So as far as I'm concerned, keep him around. He's a valuable tool. Uh, keep him in the house to learn. Now, the difference with Aronson, one start in seven matches, totaling 96 minutes. Yeah, that's not effective. Rating it, grading out at a 6.7 is not going to make the cut. Um, that doesn't mean he can't learn and grow. I think, you know, going on loan somewhere, coming back, having a full summer uh, for conditioning and, and getting comfortable. I like Paxton, Paxton Aronson. I think he has a future here. Um, but that midfield needs players. You know, we need Ansgar Knauf to show up. Um, Mario Goza needs to show up. Junior Mbembe needs to be more reliable. Uh, he's, you know, I, I, I'm going to lean on him for a minute because we haven't really talked about the guys that have been here. Mbembe, uh, you know, he, he's only 23, but it feels like he's been here a while now. It's been, what, a year? Literally, like one Two seasons, year. yeah. Um. It already seems like he's had the highest of lows, but then there's just, you know, stretches where he disappears. So right now we need consistency in that midfield. We have a few older guys who are aging out and we have some younger guys with promise. Uh, but when you're a roller coaster group like we are right now, taking risks with young players is a little bit dangerous in the midfield. So. Um, we'll certainly see where that takes us um, going into the second half of the season, which starts this weekend. Eintracht Frankfurt against RB Leipzig, uh, FC Sugar Drink, whatever we want to call them. Garrett, that is going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt sitting at number six in the table on 24 points. RB Leipzig sitting at 33 uh, certainly well ahead of us. Um, they had some questions early on. It was very interesting. Uh, a lot of people questioning some of their old guard that's still been there, uh, some familiar names that have been headed out of town. And yet somehow they're still sitting at number four in the table, well ahead, uh, safely in that Champions League position at the moment. How is RB Leipzig feeling coming out of this uh, this winter pause? 
It'll be very interesting to see this squad because their last match going into the into the pause was a one-one draw versus Ver- at Werder Bremen. Um, two, I'm trying to think how many players uh, have left their club. I knew Emil Forsberg was uh, done after that get match. Um, Timo Ver- Timo Werner went back to the Premier League to Spurs. Back I don't know if that was a. I don't know if that was a permanent or a loan. Um, it's a loan. So they have. I will say though, it's been. It's kind of an almost damning thing for me to say that the players that they though they're what they've done. They haven't really been doing the ones carrying a lot of the weight. If anything, the newer crop of players that have come in um, that are showing. Um, Luis Appenda, who scares me to defend 11 goals, 4 assists um, this year. Their younger new guy up top, 23 years old. Um, Xavi Simons in midfield, a 20-year-old um, Ceremonies Dutch player. Um, he's got 4 goals and 7 assists this year. Uh, someone yeah. who's been a constant... Uh, a constant threat. Um, you know, Christoph Baumgartner um, joined uh, RB this year. He's got three goals and assists. So, and I know you'll know this name as someone who's kept that tabs on the Danish national team, um, who's still turning up and getting uh, when called upon um, with three goals and assists this year, and Yusuf Paulson. So, you know, they got weapons. I mean, they got talent. It's. They have an old player of ours in um, Christoph Lentz, who we've um, how many glass references we've made to him in a, in a couple of years before that I forget. Um, but they have dropped some interesting matchups for a team that is where they're at in RB Leipzig. Um, I look at like uh, a draw at nil nil at home to Bochum. Um, Mainz getting their first was Mainz's first win of the Bundesliga against RB Leipzig, if I recall correctly. Um, Wolfsburg ending their losing streak against Leipzig. So this team is beatable. Have we won in RB Leipzig? I don't think we have since they've joined the Bundesliga. But there's always a first time. In order to do that, it's get the Moody Diva mindset out the fucking window. It's a new yeah. year. It's a new new year, new you, lads. Um, you know what? I'll leave that to Matt and Nathan for the German translation of that to send to Marcus Kolscher. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting is we talk about momentum going into the break. There's not really much coming out of the break. I was going back earlier today looking at the history. If we go slow into the break... How do we come out of it? We go. We all know what happened last year when we were red. We weren't red hot. We were white hot going into that World Cup break, and it just put the skids on everything, and the, basically the season collapsed. Um, there is no rhyme or rhythm to how on track Frankfurt goes into a break and how we come out of it. Um, but this one for me is a good test because – it's one that we're not expected to put up points. You're going on the road against a top four team. If you come out with a 2-1 defeat, hey, you know, these things happen. You lose to a, a better team. Um, but if you take points out of it, you're feeling really good about it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we line up. You know, we Garrett, we talked about, we touched on, we haven't talked about the influence of the 
uh, Afrikan guys headed back home. Three very key players for us. Our our best striker up front, our best uh, midfield player. You know, we're kind of in a position where it's hold hold your breath and keep your arms inside the ride, and hopefully you survive to the end. Um, I don't think we've had enough time for our, our loans and new players to come in and acclimate. I don't even know if they'll be in the 11 this weekend or the 18, but I'm pretty confident that this group is ready to go. Uh, we are safely into January. It appears people are getting healthier. I would like to get a status update on Kevin Trapp. I know he says he's fine, but I'm going to be honest. That was a major concern of mine. Uh, it was just hurry up and get to the break with him. He was clearly in pain. He was not moving well. I really hope Kevin Trapp got the rest he needed, and we're going to need him quite a bit. Uh, Leipzig, Saturday, January 13, 930 here on the east side of the United States. And then, um, shit, <laughs> it, there's a couple uh, key local matches coming up. Two weeks later, we got Darmstadt and then Mines after that. I mean, these are teams that give us their best every time out because we're the big kid in town and they like to hit us with everything they got. So we got to take every point we can out of these first few matches and weather the storm. We're not the only ones losing players to Afrikan and, and the Continental Championship there. Um but certainly as far as players at certain positions on the field where we don't have a lot of depth, it's a little concerning. Where is this match going to go, Garrett? I want to win. Do how, all right. How do I start <laughs> this reset off? Do I, do I channel the safe pragmatic routes? Like, you know, people saying, uh, let's, I'm going to hit a local flavor to you, Chris, from the last couple weeks we've experienced as Detroit sports fans. Um, do I play the safe route, take kick the field goal, um, go for the extra point when we've had three uh, instead of going for two when we've had three tries, or do I just say fuck it and go for it? RB Leipzig won our Eintracht Frankfurt two, channeling Dan Campbell on this one. You're biting kneecaps on the way up, aren't you? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, you know, it's tough. Uh, I wasn't going to predict anything good, but you kind of got me fired up. Um, because if anyone is playing in our predictor league uh, through our HalfPod Discord channel, I am not the one to make predictions. Um, I'm currently in 16th out of 18th pickers. Um, but... I'm kind of with you in the sense that it's not going to be a disaster. Uh, I like a, a team that's fit and ready to play and had some time to rest. If this one was later, because we're certainly going to face RB Leipzig on the last day of the season, that might be a whole different story. But I think coming out of the break with fresh legs, I think we have enough to pull out a point. I'm going to say it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Uh, that's That's as positive as I can go, but that's – points on the road against the top four team. I think that would be good enough for anyone making a prediction. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, it sets even a point sets the tone in the right direction for the matches that you have ahead. Absolutely. 
Um, so, yeah, uh, we're going to do this again next week. Uh, what did you say? 2-1 victory for Eintracht. I've got us down for 1-1. Uh, share with us on social media what your predictions are. Uh, feel free to throw shade at me for having a little bit of positivity. We all know what happens when I try to do that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I did not predict any clean sheets. So don't blame it on me if things go haywire. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know where you're watching. Again, you can catch Garrett and the Eintracht Detroit group uh, at the Detroit City Clubhouse on the east side of town, right across the street from Martin Luther King High School, the Detroit City Clubhouse on Lafayette Street. Uh, I will be watching from my daughter's gymnastics practice, uh, like every cool dad, um, with my phone out at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. But hey, it's cool. We're there for the kids, uh, but we're here for Eintracht. So wherever you're watching, uh, we hope the best for you. Please visit halfpod.com, like our podcast, subscribe, heckle us. I don't care. We can take it. Um, (laughs) You know, first one back, it was a little bit rusty, but we got through it. We got it on time, which will make the boss happy. Uh, We didn't go too long. Uh, but we're going to do it again next week. We're going to have some familiar hosts back, some that haven't been here for a little while. Uh, one in particular that runs a fantastic job with our Instagram page. Make sure you follow that on Instagram at Hey on Track Frankfurt. And we will talk to you next week to recap RB Leipzig and I Track Frankfurt. The Bundesliga is back. We're happy to be back. And we look forward to talking to you again. Tschüss. Track Frankfurt team of destiny with hey,